Well, I think if we as adults would be half as excited as the children are to be in church on Sunday morning, this would be a happening place to be. You know, who else but my son, when first thing in the morning, as uh, Leanne's getting him out of his bed, and she says to him, we got to get ready for church this morning. And he says, church? Again? No way! <laughs> and you know what? That did something for me. <laughs> Being the pastor, you know, you'd think I should be really excited to come to church on Sunday morning, and yet to hear his enthusiasm, I realized that I could learn something from him. You know, that it's an exciting thing to gather, and uh, it's an exciting thing to be a part of a church family. So I hope you're feeling that excitement this morning. I know I am. Uh, Two weeks have gone by since I was here last, and if you know anything about preachers, not preaching for two weeks, you know, the word just builds up inside of you, and so I'm just ready to give it this morning. So I hope that you'll be blessed by it. Would you bow with me and let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that it is every good and perfect gift that we have in our lives has come from you, and we thank you for it. We thank you, God, for this church family. We thank you, God, for that excitement that your Holy Spirit just rekindles in our lives, God, as we consider how awesome you are, that nothing is impossible for you, nothing is too hard, and that, God, as you are amazingly gracious to do work within us that we aren't deserving of, Lord. We are still those who struggle with temptation. We still battle with sin. We still battle with our flesh. And yet, God, there, your grace and your mercy is is showing all the more. And so we thank you for that. And we also pray, God, that now this morning we would experience a real sense of not only your mercy and your grace, but of your power of your incredible power, God, that not only can blot out the darkest of sins, God, through your mercy, but the power to lift us up out of it, to give us a firm place to stand. And not only to stand, Lord, but to conquer in your name, by your authority. You have given this to us by your Holy Spirit. And so, Father, I pray that this morning we would be touched by your power and go out in it. So bless this word, I pray, God. Anoint it with your power. Give me the boldness to speak it as you want me to, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. The men had been at it all night. But even rowing as hard as they possibly could, they were still making no headway. The sudden squall that had whipped up across the waters around them was now in a frenzy as one towering wave after another crashed against the hull of their boat. It was only a small fishing vessel. And worse yet, as each of these waves crashed against the boat, the undeniable fact was that as each subsequent wave hit them, the boat was filling more and more with water. No matter how hard they bailed, they couldn't keep it at bay forever. It was no longer a matter of if, but when, the boat would sink and they would be drowned. At first, it was only the the non-fishermen who were a little a little afraid, a little scared. But of course, those non-fishermen, they were the ones who hadn't spent much time out in the water. So even the smallest wave could frighten them. But this time it was different. You see, there were seasoned sailors on board that, that little fishing vessel. Fishermen who had experienced many storms before. But this storm was unlike anything that even they had experienced. Even they began to have that look of desperation in their eyes. And even as the other men looked to them for reassurance that somehow they were going to make it through, there was none to be found. Only the grim certainty that barring a miracle, they weren't going to make it. 
they were doomed. The hours seemed to drag on endlessly. The night seemed to have no end, rowing, bailing, praying, rowing, bailing, praying, riding up one wave, down another, into the swell, back up another wave, and down again. With the boat bucking through each of these waves, threatening to capsize at any moment, there was not a moment for relaxation, and the fatigue was beginning to take its toll. So how then, in this chaotic situation becoming increasingly dire, with no hope in sight, how then could the master still be lying in the stern of the boat, fast asleep? I mean, the wind is howling, there are waves crashing over the side of the boat, there is lightning and thunder crackling overhead, and the master is sleeping. How could this be? You see, he had fallen asleep before the storm arose, And incredibly, he had slept through the entire thing. But now to a man, each last of those men working in that boat that night, the sheer terror of their situation overcame them. No one knew at first who was the the man to call out the first time, but once he started, the rest chimed in. A chorus of terror-stricken voices filled the air. Master! Master! Wake up, Master! Don't you care if we drown? And finally, being stirred from his peaceful slumber, their master awoke. He sat up, he rubbed his eyes, looked at them as if to say, what did you wake me up for? He then calmly looked around, assessing the situation. He saw the the terror-stricken men before him. He saw the boat half-filled with water. He looked around at the raging waters. And he stood up. He stood up. And the wind was whipping at his hair. His robe was flapping and he braced his feet to keep from being knocked over in the stern of the boat. The men were transfixed on his every move. All of their hopes rested in him. What was he doing? And then with the same voice, the same commanding voice that a a teacher might use to correct a student, there amidst the howling wind and the crashing waves, His voice rang out strong and clear. Peace, be still. And even as that last syllable rolled off of his tongue, the biting wind subsided and then stopped altogether. The last wave crashed against the hull of the boat and the next wave simply rolled down to a gentle lap. The tattered sail and rigging fell limp against the mast. And most eerie of all, was the silence. Perfect peace hung in the air. Silence where there had moments before been chaos. As if awaking from a nightmare, here they stood in an eerie silence. And they all just looked at him. Terror filled their hearts as they considered what they had just seen. A man, a mere mortal, they thought, like them, had commanded a raging storm to subside in an instant. And there, with their mouths agape, staring at their master, he turns to them. And like a student can only say to his stu- like a teacher can only say to his students, he asks them a question. Why are you still so afraid? Where is your faith? Where is your faith? I believe that Jesus' question to his disciples 
still hangs in the air for us today. I believe that each one of us, as disciples of Jesus Christ, if we have started out on that journey, following after the Master, I believe he is posing those two questions for us here today. Why are you so afraid? Where is your faith? The answer to that first question, I believe, is very, very simple. We are afraid, and we become afraid, when circumstances go beyond our ability to control them. Right? When you believe that you are still in control of your circumstances, you are not afraid. Why? Because you're in control. I've got this. But the moment they they go beyond your ability to control them, the moment that, that something happens that you can't say stop to it anymore, it's got a life of its own, and you can't do anything about it, that is when fear creeps in. And the disciples were exactly in that situation. They were beyond their ability to control the storm. And so terror-stricken, they cry out. Now, some of you may have recognized this rendition of this account of Jesus calming the storm from the first time I shared it over two years ago. And when I was looking at the old notes from that sermon, what caught my attention when revisiting them was that in my sermon on that particular Sunday, I had listed how some of the concerns in the world at that time were causing people to have fear. I mentioned how in California, a church was no longer allowed to display an outdoor Christmas nativity scene in front of their church, their own property. They were told by the courts they were no longer allowed to display it because an atheist group had come by. They claimed that they were offended by it, and so because this was in a public space, They had to take it down. I also made reference to how God and Christ and Christian values and principles were being increasingly legislated out of all sectors of public life. That was two years ago. And as we sit here today, we can only say that that has increased. It hasn't turned back. We are experiencing that even more. But now today, not only has that continued, but we have a whole array of new fearful threats that have emerged in the world around us. Not only abroad, but at home as well. As we look around the world, if you turn on the news for 10 minutes, you are bombarded by a host of things to be afraid of. You know what the news sells? They sell fear. That's what gets the eyeballs on the TV screens. Fear. Be afraid, they say. Be scared. Watch the TV and we'll tell you more things to be afraid of. If you're not scared yet, just watch for another 10 minutes and you will be. Right? What do we have going on in the world today? In Iraq, Syria, the Middle East, we have ISIS literally carving a path of destruction throughout the, the, the Iraq countryside, killing Christians indiscriminately in their wake, targeting them, beheadings, crucifixions, Barbaric things that we couldn't even fathom are happening in our world today, right now, as we speak. Things to be afraid of, absolutely. But we know that those things aren't just going to remain abroad. In fact, this past week we've been reminded of how they are increasingly being brought to the forefront of the Canadian consciousness as well. If you've paid any attention to the news, you're aware of how just this past week two soldiers in Quebec were run over by a man who said that he was doing his acts in the name of Allah. And then, of course, everyone knows about what happened on Wednesday. 
Wednesday morning is a day that changed Canadian history. Wednesday morning is a day that we will always remember because it is the first time that an act of violence, someone carrying a gun with the intent to do violence, perhaps to our very Prime Minister was his intent. We don't know that, but that's where he was going. A gunman goes into the heart of our government Wednesday morning right here in Canada, shoots a soldier dead, and then goes on to have a gun battle in the halls of our parliament. That happened right here at home. Are there things to be afraid of? Huh? I think so. There are things happening here in our own land. And so what do we do with these fears? And we go back to Jesus' question. Why are you so afraid? And the answer is obvious, isn't it? Why are we so afraid? Because there's a whole host of things beyond our control to be afraid of. I didn't even mention the fragile economy or the, the spread of Ebola. Those are other things beyond our control, and we can allow them to consume us because we really can't do anything about them, can we? And if we allow them to, those fears can grip our hearts and they can cripple us. So why are you so afraid, disciples? <laughs> because there's things to be scared of, Jesus. This boat is still filled with water. The, the mast is still destroyed. The storm almost killed us. And you're asking us why we're so afraid? The answer seems obvious. You see, the reason at the core of this, of why the disciples were afraid, is because they did not have the power within them to overcome the storm. And so, too, as we look at the storms in life, we realize that we don't have the power within us to change the circumstances around us. We need a power greater than ourselves to confront the storm and to rescue us. And so as we consider the various storms of life that can hit us, they're numerous and they're many. I'll give you a few examples. Most of these hit without warning. Broken friendships. Strained family relationships. Failed marriages. Debilitating depression. Overwhelming anxiety. Panic attacks. Financial strain. The loss of a job. Economic crisis. Car accidents, heart attacks, and the dreaded diagnosis of cancer. All of these storms and many more that I could continue to list off hit us out of nowhere. But what is almost invariably our first response when these storms arrive, how do we handle them? We say, how can I fix this? How, how can I overcome these circumstances? How will I get through this? I will figure this out on my own, thank you very much. But like the disciples, we do not ourselves possess the necessary power to overcome the storms of life on our own. No, we need a power greater than ourselves. We need a power far stronger than our circumstances to rescue us. And this leads us to Jesus' second question. Do you still have no faith? Incredibly, what the disciples failed to realize was that a power infinitely greater than themselves, infinitely greater than the storm, was not only available to them, but he was literally in their boat. Isn't that incredible? Jesus was in the boat. And even though Jesus was physically with them, yet the disciples were terrified. They were out of their minds, scared. Why? Because at that moment, they still lacked the faith to recognize Jesus for who he truly was and is. 
The Son of God was in the boat, but they didn't recognize him. Jesus was with them, and yet they were terrified because they didn't recognize that he was who he claimed to be. John chapter 1, verse 14 describes him this way. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. You see, Jesus is the divine Word become flesh, God incarnate, Emmanuel, which means God with us. The very one, the divine Word, who spoke the winds and the waves into existence by the sound of his voice is the very one who is now in their boat And by his voice, he says, peace, be still. In Job chapter 38, when God is impressing upon Job his power over creation, putting Job in his place, he asks him a series of questions. And let me highlight a couple of them for you in verses 8 to 11. Listen to what God asks Job. Who shut up the sea behind doors when it burst forth from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment and wrapped it in thick darkness, when I fixed limits for it and set its doors and bars in place, when I said, this far you may come and no further, here is where your proud waves halt. Where were you, Job? Incredible. At the sound of his voice, God said to the water, exist. And then he said, this far and no further. God did that. By the sound of his voice. And as incredible as it seems, the divine voice that called those winds and the waves into existence that established their boundaries is the same divine voice that spoke to the wind and waves like the master to the student. Peace, be still. Can you talk to inanimate objects? Well, you can, of course. (laughs) You ever done that before? You're trying to fix something. You're like, why don't you just get together? You can talk to it all you want, right? You can command the benches in front of you, inanimate objects, to try to do something. You can can talk to the wind all you want. You know, if you're a farmer and, and you see those storms coming in and they're heading straight for your field and it looks like hail, you can go out in that field and say, clouds, the other way, over there, that guy's field, yeah, over there. You can do that, but do they have ears to hear you? No, they don't. They can't hear you. But here, wind and waves are said to hear his voice, recognize his voice, and not only recognize the voice of their creator, but obey. That just gives me shivers. Think about that. The power of Jesus' voice is the power of creation. The created world recognizes their creator and obeys. Wow. And can you just imagine the response that those disciples had? It says that they were terrified. Before it says they were just really, really scared. (laughs) The storm just had them really, really scared. But now Jesus does this and they're terrified. And they look at each other and say, what kind of a man is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? They have come face to face with their creator and they are recognizing him, perhaps some of them for the first time, for who he truly is. Incredible. 
And yet, as we look at their lack of faith moments before, we see that Jesus was already in the boat, sleeping on a cushion. They ask him a simple question. Teacher, don't you care if we drown? They questioned whether or not he truly cared about them. And how often aren't we just like those disciples? How often don't we see the wind and the waves of our lives, the storms that come along, and at first, just like the disciples, we row and we row and we try to handle them on our own. I got this. I got this. And we're rowing and we're rowing. And finally the waves are getting too big and we realize, I don't got this. I don't got this. Right? We're just like those disciples. And then what do we do? Oh, yeah, let's send up a lifeline. Now I'm going to pray. Right? Just like the disciples, we mirror them in so many ways. And then when things keep getting worse, we begin to doubt. And we begin to question. Does he really care? Does he really see little old me? Is he hearing my prayers? And we begin to wonder, his, wonder about his goodness. And we wonder if he really cares. And so, what we need to recognize is that if I'm a child of God, if you are a child of God, if you have put your faith in Him, recognize that Jesus is already in the boat. Jesus is in your boat. And I hope He's the captain of your boat. He better not just be a passenger of your boat. And you say, Jesus, I got this. You just stay over in the corner. No, Jesus better be in charge of your boat. If He's in your boat, He's the captain. He's in charge. Trust Him. That's all Jesus wanted from his disciples. Faith. He's their master. Trust him. Don't try to fix it yourself. Trust him. I'm in the boat. Is Jesus in your boat? And if he is, is he in charge? And is your faith in him? You see, fear is the absence of faith. Fear is the absence of faith. The disciples were afraid because they lacked faith. And so here we see Jesus' question still probing the depths of our hearts today. Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? So let me ask you today. Straight up, what are you afraid of? Search your heart right now. What are you scared of? What's nagging at your heart today? Chances are, if you look close enough, you got some fears hanging around. You know, I realized as I was preparing this message this week that there are more fears in my life than I realize. I did an inventory. I actually made a list and I began writing things down that I'm afraid of. And it was longer than I anticipated once I was honest with myself. And you know what I did with those fears? One by one, I prayed them through and I gave them up to Jesus. He asked me in each one of those fears, Where is your faith? Is your faith big enough to hand this fear over to me? I said, okay, I'm going to hand it over. And I give it to him. That is what he asks of us. Exercise our faith by handing him our fears. You see, my friends, there's this well-known quote from an anonymous author that says this. Sometimes the Lord calms the storm, but sometimes he lets the storm rage and calms his child. What a powerful, powerful saying. Sometimes the Lord calms the storm, but sometimes he lets the storm rage and calms his child. Oh, my friends, do you see this? Are you beginning to understand that if Jesus is in the boat, let the storm rage and yet I will be secure. 
So long as Jesus is in the boat, I would rather be in the eye of a hurricane than on the sea of tranquility without him. My friends, if Jesus is in the boat, then can't we trust him to handle the worst that life can throw our way? If we have trusted in Jesus to rescue us from sin and death and hell, can't we not also trust him to rescue us from our doubts and fears? And if his voice has the power to instantly calm the raging wind and the waves, don't you think his voice also has the power to calm your fears, silence your doubts, and still your racing heart? Is Jesus in your boat? If so, then what do you have left to fear? What are you scared of? If Jesus is in your boat, there is no room for fear. He has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power. And so this leads us to our realization that with his presence, with Jesus' presence, comes his peace. Jesus' presence brings us peace, even while the storm is raging. One night not that long ago, I had already put Declan to bed. He'd been in there for probably 45 minutes, an hour. I thought he was asleep, but he must have woke up. Because all of a sudden, I I hear him calling my name urgently. Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. And he's calling, and I'm thinking to myself, Oh, brother, here we go again. (laughs) So I waited out a little bit, but no, he really seems worked up. So I figure, okay, I better just deal with this rather than letting him scream for the next half hour. So go down the hall, I open the door, poke my head in, and I ask as cheerfully as possible, right? What's up, buddy? (laughs) And here's Declan. Tears and sobs, and he's just calling out to me, Daddy, Daddy, I'm scared. And so I walk over to him, I bend over, I say, Buddy, what are you scared of? And as much as I can make out between the sobs and the heaves, the response was something like, There's a scary monster truck that came and squished all my cars. (laughs) And that may seem trivial to you, but... I assure you that to a little boy obsessed with Hot Wheels, this is a big deal. (laughs) Scary monster truck. So, of course, I did my best to tell him there was no scary monster trucks, and eventually I got him to settle down and calm down and got him tucked back in. And as I turned to go, Declan says to me, Daddy, you stay with me? I say to him, no, buddy, I'll be right outside the door, but I'll be right here. There's nothing like the presence of a little boy's daddy to calm their fears. And we big kids are no different. You know, we grow up, we're not three years old anymore, but we're just like that little boy who says, Daddy, you stay with me. Because you see, there is nothing like the presence of our Heavenly Father to calm our fears. Isaiah chapter 41 verse 13 says, For I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. Incredible. His presence calms our fears and brings us peace. But now I want to draw to your attention to one more significant truth from this account. Not only does Jesus' presence bring peace to carry us through the storms, but that with his presence, he makes available to us his power to overcome the storms. You see, there's one thing that I puzzled about when I looked at this story. How exactly did Jesus want his disciples to behave in the face of this storm? It's clear that he wasn't pleased 
with how they behaved, how they reacted. So what did he expect them to do? Because from his rebuke about their lack of faith, it's clear that he expected far more from them than their wide-eyed doubt and fear. But what? Did he just want them to wake him up sooner to calm the storm? Is that it? Seems unlikely. Especially when we consider how tired Jesus must have been. We know that his ministry was running him ragged. He's so tired, he's sleeping in a boat that's literally a bucking bronco through a storm, and he's just sleeping through it. He is exhausted. And in the face of this, one can almost sense in this story that Jesus is almost irritated that his disciples woke him up. And even in the simple fact that they had to wake him up indicates that he believed that they were already equipped to handle the danger. But if so, the story clearly indicates that despite their fishermen's sailor skills, their experience on the Sea of Galilee, they too believed that they were going to drown. So it wasn't a matter of using better skill, but Jesus thought they were equipped, so it begs the question, if Jesus believed that they could handle the storms on their own, if not physically, then how? Now, I can't be completely certain on this, because the text doesn't speak clearly to it, but there are clues given. And so I'm going to tell you what I believe. I believe that Jesus wanted them to calm the storm. Does that seem crazy to you? It seemed a little crazy to me, but the more I thought about it, the more I looked at other texts, the more it made sense. Jesus wanted the disciples to exercise their faith in him, claim the authority that he had given them to say, peace, be still. That is what I believe. Because why else... After just having seen the storm calmed by Jesus himself, would he ask them why they had no faith? You see, he was questioning their faith. Not because, it, you see, it didn't take much faith for them to wake him up or to ask for his help. It certainly didn't take any faith for them to row the boat. So how would Jesus have wanted them to exercise their faith unless it was to do something about the storm itself? You see, Jesus gave his disciples authority to perform miracles. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 1, we see this exact thing occur. He calls the 12 disciples to himself, Matthew chapter 10, verse 1, he calls them to himself and gives them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. Now that's authority. And later in Matthew 17, there's a boy possessed with a demon. And the disciples were unable to cast him out. And they asked Jesus, why couldn't we do it? And Jesus says to them, verse 20, because you have so little faith. I tell you the truth. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. And nothing will be impossible for you. Jesus said that to his disciples. So if he says you can move mountains, what's a storm? What's a storm? So it stands to reason that if Jesus believed they could do that, he believed that if they exercised their faith, they could calm a storm as well. You see, this is why principally we see throughout Scripture that God allows storms to come our way. If you ever wondered why God allowed a circumstance to come into your life, why that illness why, why that difficult situation? He allows them to come our way so that we can exercise faith. How else can we exercise faith unless faith is required? It is easy to just go along when the sun's shining and nothing's wrong. We don't need to exercise faith, but if we want our faith to grow, it must be challenged. 
And so when the storms come, say, all right, I get to exercise my faith today. And get this, when you exercise your faith, not only are you blessed, but others are blessed as well. See, the last half of verse 36, there's this little line that says, there were other boats with him also. There were other boats with him also. Jesus and the disciples were not the only ones in the middle of the storm that night. There were other boats out on the lake. But you know what the difference was? The other boats didn't have Jesus in the boat. They didn't have Jesus with them. Everything hung on what the boat with the disciples that had Jesus in the boat was going to do. And so when Jesus calmed the storm, he didn't just save his disciples and calm their fears. There were other boats that were rescued as well. Because faith was exercised. And so in the same way, my friends, when we exercise our faith in God, not only are we blessed, not only will our immediate surroundings and people be blessed, but there will be other people further out that we may not even be aware of. Just like those boats on the Sea of Galilee in that storm-tossed night, they too were blessed when faith was exercised. And so, my friends, if you are a disciple of Jesus Christ here today, then realize that by his power and authority, it has been placed at your disposal as well. So what storms are you facing today? What challenges? What fears? You have the power of God at your disposal to face them. So face them in his authority and in his power, and he will give you what you need to not only make it through the storm, but to overcome it to his glory. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for this incredible story of how you worked not only in your disciples' lives, but through it, Lord, you have spoken to us. I pray, God, for each person who's here today that is facing a fear, that is gripping them, that, is, that has laid hold of them, that is dragging them down, and that, God, that they would realize that if Jesus is in the boat of their life, give him complete control. And exercise their faith. Exercise their faith, Lord, to overcome their fear. And that you would use your voice to calm the storm in their lives. Oh, Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. We ask, God, that we would walk out of here this morning. We would walk out in that authority to be sure, to be certain, that whatever we face, whatever lies ahead of us, God, we walk with you. You are in the boat. Give us that confidence today, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.